Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. Today's episode is a special episode of the podcast that we recorded live in Los Angeles. So this episode, myself, Jesse Knight, Christopher James, went over to the former Chaplin Studios, now the Henson Studios, uh, to talk about some of Charlie Chaplin's films that were made in those studios. So this was a lot of fun. It was something that we'd wanted to do for a while. We sat out on the steps of what used to be uh, Charlie's house and part of the studio um, and, and talked Chaplin movies. Uh, this was kind of a mashup episode of Christopher James's podcast uh, in Movie Nerds We Trust, but it was something that uh, Jesse and I had talked about doing before, and I pitched it to Christopher to see if he kind of wanted to do this as a as a mashup episode of both of our podcasts, and he loved the idea, uh, so we went with it. And it was a lot of fun, you know, just being able to sit and talk Chaplin, you know, in, in the very place that, that, you know, so many of his iconic films were made. Uh, you'll hear a little bit of background noise because, yeah, we're pretty much on on the street. We're right out there uh, on the corner of La Brea uh, in Hollywood. And, uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Most people don't know that Jesse is a huge Charlie Chaplin fan. Uh, when I first got to know Jesse at a job we used to work together years ago, uh, it, it was kind of one of the things that we first bonded over was, uh, was our love for Chaplin movies. So I knew that this episode was really going to mean a lot to Jesse as we sat down on the steps of the Chaplin Studios and, and, and talked these films. And, and it was so cool. It was, it was almost like a moment of reverence in a way because it was some. It was a place that the three of us just respected so much. And even though you know we weren't inside the studios because most people don't go inside that part of the studios, it, it was still just a special place to us that you know so many of the fantastic Chaplin films were made. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, kind of you know hearing our take on. On, you know what the Chaplin films have meant to us over the years and and kind of hearing a little bit about our experience you know being being at the Chaplin studios and again those are now the Henson studios you know Jim Henson productions you've got Kermit the Frog on top of the building tipping his hat dressed up like Charlie Chaplin it's such an incredible place if you're ever if you're ever right there in Los Angeles you've got to go check check it out it's cool just to walk past and, and you know take a picture and, and just recognize you know such a monumental place of Hollywood history right now I'm actually I've got myself in a little room here in the in the airport. I'm headed out to New York right as we speak. I'm just waiting to board my flight. I really, you know, I can't wait to get back to New York. It's, it's a city that I've always really loved and enjoyed. Stay tuned to my Twitter. I'm, I'm hoping to be hopping on some stages to do stand-up, possibly tomorrow night and Friday night as well. Um, so uh, stay tuned on my Twitter. I will be posting that at Tim Drake um, to, to let you know which stages those will be. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be getting back to the city. I've been a number of times, but it's always been, you know, really quick there and back trips and I've never really had a chance to see much. So I'm really excited to finally, finally get to see New York. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, hopefully we'll you know, get some good episodes recorded while I am there. And then, of course, next week I'll be in Portland. And <laughs> it looks like the episode... Uh, a couple of the comics we were planning uh, to have on the show uh, just moved down to Los Angeles, so <laughs> it's the fun of trying to uh, trying to get everybody's schedules to sync up. So, but of course, those comics uh, will will reschedule with in Los Angeles when we're back down there in another month here to record some episodes as well. So, but I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Again, if if you if you're not familiar with a lot of the Chaplin movies that we mentioned, take some time and and look them up. There's a lot of great you know Chaplin sets that you can get on Amazon and whatnot that you know encompass a lot of his work all of his films were so fantastic and so impactful in all of us and I, I think if you haven't watched a lot of Chaplin or, or any of that for, for that matter I, I really think if you if you kind of dive into it you'll, you'll just see you know why Charlie Chaplin's films you know meant so much to the three of us and why why this episode is something that we really wanted to be able to do 
So hope you guys enjoy this special episode live from Chaplin Studios, now the Henson Studios in Los Angeles, California. It's a Chaplin episode. Jesse's like probably your favorite your favorite attraction probably honestly I mean people love Disneyland this is this is my Disneyland it makes me giddy and happy just to to see it but I mean Charlie Chaplin's by far probably my favorite hero yeah, I, so. I, I know when I when I realized that the Chaplin house was right here, I mean, for years I had just driven past, I would head down Sunset and past La Brea, and it never even dawned on me. It wasn't until I was watching the, the Robert Downey Jr. Chaplin movie, and they said where it was at, and I was like, wait, what the fuck? It's right, it's right there? What? <laughs> and then it, it wasn't until uh, Austin and I came back when we had our film that was uh, screening out here that we had an extra day and I was like I've got to go find this so and then realized that we were staying still right down the street from it so and that's that's when I had first discovered it and the very next time I was like I have to show this to Jesse <laughs> I remember when I was out here during that I was sending you I was texting you pictures of it <laughs> yeah yeah I, I remember that I was at I was at work and of course you know working at eBay I remember getting that text from you and I as simple as it was, it kind of got me emotional. I was like, hey, I, I mean, because I'd known you a little bit, just, you know, joking around a little here and there at work. But when you sent that to me, I was like, this is badass. I was, I was one, really jealous, but also, but also it, I don't know, Charlie Chaplin has always had a big part of my, in my life since I was young. I, I think just his talent for being able to be funny without saying anything before he did his hockey so to speak yeah so yeah when you surprised me and brought me here not only that but i think it's such a great tribute to being the jim henson studio that, that took it over yeah and a, a lot yeah. of people don't realize that it's the jim henson studio now yeah i didn't realize that when we got here i was like oh shit there's a giant kermit the frog chaplain on the roof it's <laughs> <laughs> like wait a tick yeah it's not until it's not until you you realize you know, as you walk around the corner from like the last door, that there's a gate that says the Jim Henson Company. You're like, oh shit! Like, this is this is where Kermit lives now. Yeah. <laughs> or at least dances on the roof. <laughs> That's right. So now we're I mean we're sitting out outside right now, as, as I'm sure any of you listening can hear the traffic. So because we wanted to we wanted to be able to talk some Charlie Chaplin, where I mean he's been a big influence for me for Jesse. So for Christopher, it, it's something that I mean, he's he's his work has touched all three of us. We were like, it would be cool to you know be able to sit at his home and and talk about you know how, how that how that has impacted us. And so I mean, he, he, right now we're on you know his very porch. I mean, this is this was Charlie Chaplin's porch. So and that's I mean the, the surreal nature of that in a way to think that. You know, he, he would walk down these steps every day and not have to worry that there was a strip club, you know, five doors up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of wonder how Charlie Chaplin would react if he looked out right now. 
look, came out his, his door here, looked to the right, and he's just like, marijuana doctor? Crazy girls? <laughs> and then there's a big day to remember uh, billboard right above it. So, I mean, ultimately, in that little building right there, Charlie Chaplin could have had a fucking party. <laughs> either way, he'd scamp his way to or from all of those things. <laughs> I, I can totally see him. I can totally see that happening. That would be hilarious. <laughs> what What was it for you, Jesse, that first kind of drew you into into being such a huge Chaplin fan? Good question. You know, ever since I was young, my, my family has always raised me on old movies, especially black and white movies. But I think that I came across Charlie Chaplin it's hard for me to remember the exact time to be honest with you but I just remember seeing I think the kid was probably the first one that I had ever seen and I had heard about him and oh you know what I do remember now actually it was in German class it was one of the few times I went to school <laughs> <laughs> and it was actually the great dictator yeah uh, that, that's always been one of my favorites yeah yeah and later I mean of course I didn't know this at the time but that Charlie did not want to ever do a talkie. Uh, he was opposed to it. He, he thought that it was a, the, the everybody was losing the art of comedy. But he gave in for the great dictator because he he opposed Hitler so much. And so I mean that stood out to me not only during the time but it, it showed that he was both brave and bold. But he did it in such a funny way. And a lot of people at the time didn't realize that Hitler was such a bastard, <laughs> you know. And so he's like, "I'm not." So even his brother, uh, who his half brother, who was a Jew at the time, he defended the Jews. So I think that those few things stood out to me. But the more that I that I would watch his films, I think that they they just touched me. And the more that I found out the tragedy of, of his early life and I think a lot of stars who have that sort of tragedy tragedy and are, and are able to turn it around into something beautiful not only something beautiful but to the totally opposite spectrum of making people laugh without even him having to talk yeah uh, just that type of talent and and uh, motivation and will that he had from, from coming here I, I think is really what stood out to me the most now, out of the films that were shot, you know, here here at the studio home, um, I mean, we, we had in, in this very studio, uh, The Kid, uh, The Gold Rush, uh, City Lights, Modern Times, The Great Dictator, Monsieur Verdot, and Limelight were all were all filmed uh, were all filmed here. Oh, oh, they dropped that. And 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 even cooler. So one thing I did not know about some of the people that. Um, had actually visited this very spot maybe have even walked up these steps to come see charlie um uh winston churchill oh wow came here um aside from winston churchill uh, helen keller wow. so yeah she she had a hard time with the steps but she made her way up yeah <laughs> that's right helen stairs <laughs> as did charlie in his big shoes yeah <laughs> charlie thought he'd just be a dick and made her wear the shoes <laughs> Um, but also uh, Lord Mountbatten, I don't know who that is, uh, and Harry Louder. Um, so, I mean, that, that was, I mean, 
pretty big deal to have you know Winston Churchill, you know, be here as well as Helen Keller. I wonder what she thought of it. Yeah, definitely. I'm done with the Helen Keller joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wonder what she thought, or wonder how people found out what she thought. Hey, there are people that put up their fucking memes all the time of Helen Keller said this, and it's like the dewy snow was bright to the. She didn't fucking say that. She didn't know any of that. Yeah. I can't remember whose joke it was, but I remember hearing a joke from a comedian about when, like, Helen Keller got to heaven, she was just like, yeah, I, I was faking it the whole time. This, this is me. This is my voice now. <laughs> I can't remember who said it, but, yeah, ah, moratorium on Helen Keller jokes. So now, I mean, kind of kind of up the road from here, you know, kind of where there's the, the chicken restaurant and a few others, part of that actually used to be part of the Chaplin Estate. So, but but he sold it back in the day, and yeah, now we have a now we have a Seven Eleven and a chicken restaurant there. But, <laughs> but that actually was our, originally part of the full, the full studio and, and house and everything. Interesting. Yeah, I would love to see what this place looked like, you know, when he owned it. Like that, Christopher. Like that. <laughs> oh, time travel is fun. <laughs> <laughs> we just got out of the TARDIS. We're back and on the steps of the Chaplin House again. <laughs> I prefer DeLorean. But that's just personal taste. See, the DeLorean always, you know, sprung a leak in the gas line and things like that. And you had to go back and try to find Doc to get it. I mean, yeah. what if what if he wasn't there at that point in time? Then you were fucked. <laughs> but if you but if you have a TARDIS, yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> the, the TARDIS is a living, breathing time, time machine. It, it can be repaired, and, and and you can still time travel. Marty, get the gas can. Or I just use a sonic screwdriver because I'm yeah. the doctor. <laughs> Both adequate time travel devices. Um, I don't know. I just would have loved to like come back to when he was alive and own this estate just to see not only just to meet him, but kind of see what that timeline was like when he was like a you know high rise star. Yeah. Just kind of see how that affected Hollywood. Yeah. I- I always have such a romantic fascination with with old Hollywood, and that's and that was even part of why I wanted, you know, when we were talking about, you know, the episodes we were going to be recording out here, it was part of why I even wanted to do this episode because, you know, I, I have such a romantic fascination with old Hollywood, and such a love for Chaplin that I was just like, yeah, I, I, I want to be able to, to share a moment with this with this piece of history. So as weird as weird as that may sound, I want I wanted to have my moment with it, but but I, I as I reached out to both of you guys about it, both of you were like hell yeah, like we have to do, we have to do that. And I, I mean, is it the same for you that it, that it kind of has to be that like romantic fascination? Yeah, like I totally feel like there's a romantic fascination with it. I mean, you look at like old Hollywood and new Hollywood today. It's kind of it kind of is that you know that old past romance you know story. You know, there's a lot more, you know, uh, people who came from nothing and became, you know, what they always wanted. There's a lot more of those stories back then that kind of build to the romance as opposed to today. Yeah, yeah, they made their they made their entire livelihood with it. Yeah. Like you were saying, you know, it's it's very much, you know, it, it was a time that people people were kind of for the first time coming to Hollywood and and being able to make their careers and being able to to figure out who they were and and that's I think you know Charlie Chaplin truly was an innovator of such a 
such a unique voice. And I, I, I think that's, that's why he withstands the test of time, is that he, he did go on and, and his films have lived on and influenced all of us, you know, all these years later. I mean, fuck, it was the 1930s that he was, yeah. he was making, a, for, you know, making his mark here in this very studio. So, and I mean, at the time we weren't even an inkling in our dad's balls, so. <laughs> I, I think one of the, you know, kind of even going back and talking about how kind of has a romantic feeling in old, old Hollywood. I think the, one of the reasons why he also has stood the test of time is because he was, he didn't really care so much about what other people really thought about him. I mean, he, he was not afraid to make a fool of himself, and a lot of other comedians do that today, but he did it in such a way that, it really had a I don't give a fuck about you what you think attitude. It was, I'm a tramp. I'm gonna make a fool of myself. I mean, even in, uh, I, I think in every single one of his films, I mean, that's just like the predominant feeling is that it's like the low life. It's the homeless people. It's the immigrant. You know, yeah. city lights, things like that. It's he defended the Jews. It was. Well, yeah. I mean, the Great Dictator is one that a lot of people were just like, you can't make this film. Yeah. Like, it, it's going to ruin you, and here we are, I mean, still, and, and, and what's crazy is, it's still relevant today. Exactly. So we have an orange-faced fuck that's trying to run our country. <laughs> like, it's just as relevant. <laughs> <laughs> and he was deported. Yeah. And, and you know, he's, he's still, he made such an impact and influence on, on us, and, and even then, he's still probably had his reasons to be you know really bitter even though he was very successful but even then I, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I I feel like I have some sort of a connection with him when I when I die who knows what the hell's gonna happen but he's definitely gonna be one of the first people that I would like to to see him in silence <laughs> <laughs> and both have a silent moment together you know I would like to think that like you die you're in heaven so he comes up to you and he's like hi and you're just like shh no, Charlie. Let's keep this silent. <laughs> you know that no doubt, don't speak song going in the background? <laughs> I, I, I could see it kind of like on This is the End when they get up there, but it's the Backstreet Boys song. With, instead, it's, instead it's Jesse just walking up in slow motion, just, don't speak. I know what you're thinking. Like, like, like. <laughs> I don't need no reason. <laughs> well, do, do you remember the first time that you really came across the Chaplin film, Chris? Yeah, actually, it was uh, drama class in junior high when uh, when I first got introduced. They were showing like some really old, it's kind of like film appreciation like month that month. And so they were kind of showing a lot of, like, the old influential, like, you know, films and actors. And I remember, like, we did a whole week of Chaplin. And I remember just, like, can't, like, I can't wait to get to class that whole week. Just seeing all the cool stuff that he did. The showing scenes, you know, some showing some of the documentaries that they did about him. And, like, honestly, like, that was, like, probably one of my favorite, like, years in school was that drama class you know we each did like a little like chaplain like skit uh at the end of the week so it was really cool it was really cool to be immersed in like in an educational environment yeah. you know on chaplain I, I always thought it was was funny kind of at that at that same age because i know when i was 
taking drama classes in, in seventh and eighth grade that it you know we, we would see some of those you know old uh, early early uh, skits that he had and you know nobody wanted to watch him because they were black and white they're silent and you know a lot of a lot of people in in our day of age I mean all of us still fall under the millennial umbrella barely but we do <laughs> but and that's not the shit on millennials but so so much of the generation is still you know they, they want things immediate now and yeah. and there, there's not the patience and the enjoying of art the way that there used to be so hence why we have vine stars so <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree and, and I mean even in the kid I think it I mean the last time I, I watched it was a few months ago with Elaine and I and I remember even telling her, I think one of the things that, that just really grabs me with Chaplin is not only is he about comedy, but in the exact same moment in motion, you are laughing and crying. Yeah. At least with me. At least he's he's brought that out in me. And it and it I'm glad that you bring that up because I think it does take a lot of patience and we're we're so into this instant gratification and I, I will I mean, even at a, I've always loved the old black and white movies, whether it's a silent film or not, for that reason. I think that it is gotten to a point where it's kind, it kind of is a lost art. I think that we have... I love the comedy nowadays, don't get me wrong. I like the way that it's progressed, but at the same time, it's, it really is just one of those things where it's not what it used to be. No, it, it's... And, and, I mean, a, a lot of people will say certain comedies just aren't funny anymore because they've, you know, evolved with comedy. So, at the same time, those people don't, a lot of the times, respect this, this comedy because it's, it is too old. And, but, yeah, I mean, it, it still absolutely, absolutely holds up. So, uh, w w one crazy thing, too, uh, I know, you know, we're, we're all big music fans as well. This site actually was also, after Chaplin sold it, uh, it, it actually um, be, became part of A&M &M Records. This was A&M Records for almost 30 years. Really? So, yeah, before before the Henson Company bought it. I know we just kind of were like, yep, it was Chaplin and then the Henson. There's actually, you know, a lot of things that still even took place here to help preserve, you know, what Chaplin had built. Uh, even even the uh, the George Reeves episodes of, uh, of Adventures of Superman so were filmed here in the 50s. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it... It brings a lot to life, but all of that was because of the fact that even when people tried to tear it down, the memory of Chaplin just wasn't going to let that happen. I mean, he was he was still alive during those times, of course, but people just weren't going to to allow it to happen because it was, you know, just such a, such an amazing place. And it wasn't even until uh, the '60s that uh, it finally gained historical status. Uh, like I, I think it was like eight years before Chaplin had passed away. So yeah, yeah, it looks like it was February 1969. Chaplin died in 77, I believe. So yeah, I mean it, it's kind of crazy that it took that long for it to be recognized as a historical landmark to to be again for us to even be here today recording. Definitely, it's one of those. I, I find it is a miracle because especially here in LA I'm sure that there's still a lot of old classic buildings that, that we don't have that, that we would like to and so not only has he stand at the test of time but it really is just an honor for me to be able to be here 
But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think... I think Chaplin still probably more than ever in my life is is holding up as one is is a comedian that will I would defend to the till till death you know uh, one of my favorite quotes is a day without smiles a day wasted and uh, I have to give a shout out to, to my buddy Chris here because uh, I've had some uh, interesting events befallen me which kind of some fault of my own to be honest with you <laughs> but uh, we were in the bookstore the other day and saw a little Chaplin book and, and Chris bought it for me and that brought a smile to my face and, and that's one of those things where Chaplin brought a smile to my face but a good friend brought a smile to, to my face and it kind of it feeds into that you know and it's a really unique book too that you guys found because I mean it was a it was kind of an old vintage bookstore just kind of towards the end of Hollywood Boulevard and yeah I mean it's, it's a really cool book and that was awesome for Chris to do that and yeah I mean you were giddy as a fucking schoolgirl. <laughs> <laughs> well I, I own the autobiography by Chaplin but actually having a Chaplin book that was that came from Hollywood has a certain value of its own uh, you know what I mean so yeah and I kind of caught it like as we were walking out like as we were walking out I just out of the corner of my eye I see this little Chaplin book I'm like Jesse come look at this and he looked at it and he strummed through it and I can see like the joy in his face as he's just flipping through it and I'm like are you gonna get this he's like no and I'm like this wouldn't be an LA trip if you didn't get a Chaplin thing so like I had to get it for him like <laughs> I, I'm still waiting to make my my contribution to uh, to Jesse's uh Chaplin Chaplin love as I've very slowly been designing the uh the perfect Chaplin tattoo for Jesse so that that will go on Jesse's side. So and it'll 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 be awesome. But then you'll truly have Chaplin with you forever. <laughs> so you know you know we we kind of talk about you know some of the evolution of, of Chaplin's comedy here. So and I, and I love one thing that Chaplin had said where he said all I need to make a comedy is a park, a policeman, and a pretty girl. So and when you think about the simplicity of that, I mean. So, so often now we, we overthink the way that, that comedy is written and made. And, you know, it, it really does come down to it being just that simple. I mean, may, maybe a different element for the three, but I mean, three simple things can make a perfect comedy. For sure. And, and it's one of the things I love about Chaplin as well is how upfront he was. I mean, he, he realized certain... I guess maybe fallacies that, that he may have had in life. He was married multiple times. Part of it was because he was so dedicated to his work that he was so aloof. But he, he really captured how simple comedy can be, and I and I think you're right about that. And he he, he realized he knew his audience. He knew what people also liked and enjoyed. Uh, I mean, even with City Lights, at that point, silent movies were were really almost a thing of the past. And he was still able to be very successful with that movie. He showed people that he still could could capture what they wanted. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I like how you said that. Like he just said that there was for all you need for comedy is you know a park and a lady, and then what was he? A policeman. And a policeman. So, well, in comedy, like even these days, I feel like people overthink it, and I feel like sometimes it's just the simplest of catalysts to make the most hilarious of things like 
And I feel that's kind of like one of his biggest influences is comedy. It's just how he was able to bring like the most out of the simplest things. But also at the same time, just he like really like influenced like physical comedy too. So I, I, I do I do like one thing too that you know we, we kind of mentioned how um, you know how the great dictator still still holds up today, you know with with so many um, you know so many similarities to some of the prejudice that we see that we see today even even in our own political system. So and I I know I've kind of talked about this you know in a couple of episodes and it was something that I, that I wrote on the site after the nightly show. Um, with Larry Wilmore was canceled because a lot of people, you know, kind of turned their nose up at Larry Wilmore with the way that, um, you know, he, he tackled race and, and prejudice and things like that on his show. You know, the things that you're not supposed to talk about. And, and I love that one thing that Chaplin had said was that through humor, you know, we, we see what seems rational, the irrational. It, in what seems important, the unimportant, it also heightens our sense of survival and preserves our sanity. So, and I absolutely love that, you know, 60, 70 years before, you know, we really started to see like Lampoon and things like that pop up, you know, that were very satire driven in that nature, that, sat, or, or that Chaplin already had that grasp on looking at the irrational side of things and being able to, to use to use rational thought to kind of make fun of that. And that's, and, and I mean, he, he was a true satirist of his day. I'm really glad that you actually mentioned that quote because the irony with Charlie Chaplin, his mom went insane. She, she actually yeah. literally lost her mind. And I think that that at a very young age for Charlie, I mean, both he and his brother, I think, he was about age seven, if I remember right, when, when that happened, when both he and his brother were, you know, were basically on their own at that point. And you have to think that that quote had some sort of play into that, where he had that thought of, of what's rational and what's not and, and being able to, to hone in on that. Right. So I, I, I do I do have to say another one even even in that same regard I mean so many people are saying you know I'm on both sides of the aisle in this election that you know no matter who wins I'm moving to Canada so and and I love that I mean even in that same regard Chaplin at one point had said I have no further use for America I wouldn't go back there if Jesus Christ was president <laughs> <laughs> which all in all makes you kind of wish that we had like a Charlie Chaplin esque great dictator speech for Trump. I want to say somebody did attempt to make one. I, I'd have to I'd have to find it because I was thinking the same thing earlier. Is yeah, I, I wish that we did have some type of Trump esque. But but again, like, like I said, I mean, it, it's been those type of things have been said for both parties because I mean a lot of people aren't happy with with either candidate, and and it's funny to hear Chaplin you know took the same stance you know 60 years ago that. The people today are are basically saying. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I, I love that quote too, just just because it does show he came here for opportunity and he found it, but he was rejected in the end. You know what I mean? And so it, I, I love it just how forthright and open that he is. <laughs> Jesus Christ Himself, what you wouldn't come back. So I, I, I I think one of the things too that I've I've kind of had to learn, you know, more and more and more as I develop my career is. 
you know, re really having to be just thankful for every single, um, you know, opportunity that you get. And, you know, like you mentioned, like his family and stuff, they, they were immigrants. They, they, they kind of just had to, had to figure out their way and make their own. And so much of coming up within this industry is figuring, just figuring shit out on your own and, and figuring out what, what it takes. And I love, you know, Chaplin was still very simple. Even, even in his, even, you know, with all of his success, he was simple uh, to the fact that he, he had said, you know, the saddest thing that he could imagine getting used to uh, is luxury. And, and I, th I think that that's something that we can all hone in on because, you know, you can have, you know, the number one movie in the box office one day and the next day nobody knows who the fuck you are. I mean, that's, that's unfortunately just a sad reality of it. Well, that's a great thing about, you know, the history of cinema is we have all these greats like Charlie Chaplin, you know, Steve Martin, Bill Murray, all these comedic influences over the past, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years that were so ahead of their time that they still influence people to this day in comedy. Like, especially Chaplin. His influence can be seen vastly, you know, all over from when he was successful, when, you know, his career slowed down to when he died, to even now, you can see there's always a little hint of Chaplin in, in most comedies that you see these days. Yeah, there there absolutely is. I mean, in every, in every realm of comedy, I, I think that we, that we still see him. And, and that, that's what I would hope. I hope that we can always, you know, be able to, to continue to see, you know, his, his influence in, in every single thing that, that's out there. And, I mean, if more and more comics, more writers, you know, learned, you know, from that, they'd be able to continually make those comedies. And it's not like it's just a fucking, we'll learn what Charlie Chaplin did in your movies, we'll stand the test of time. Because, I mean, there's no blueprint to any of it. So, but the values that Chaplin held you know dear to his heart on you know what would make you know his movies timeless you know even though some of those were out of stubbornness he didn't want to do talkies but he had no choice <laughs> so but but so so much of it was you know holding dear what he felt his art was definitely and i you know robert downey jr who actually plays chaplin in the movie chaplin who does an amazing job I love that movie not for the movie itself, but when you watch other movies by Robert Downey Jr. that he's played in, it's you can even tell that it's somewhat subtle, but it's played a huge role into his career. Absolutely. And I love the fact that that is how we keep Charlie Chaplin alive by successful actors nowadays that are still entertaining us. They still make it their own, but it's... Like you said, Charlie Chaplin was an innovator in comedy, and now we, you know, comedians nowadays can continue by making Chaplin their own, taking those those elements, and and still making everything, you know, really lighthearted and and still living, keeping him alive today through that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you look at it this way. I mean, as of 2011, he's the only person to receive a 12-minute standing ovation at the Academy Awards when he uh, appeared to accept his honorary award for the incalculable effect he's had in making motion pictures and the art of form of its century. It's the longest in the history of the Academy Awards. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty epic. I mean. and, and, and his short, and his speech even during that, I mean, was, 
was fairly fairly short because I mean he he, he didn't he, he hadn't even really been in the, in the country at the time I mean he was on his, his self-imposed exile when he came back I mean he hadn't he hadn't you know really been been a part of it all for 20 years yeah and he even in all of his years, you know, living here and working here, he never became a United States citizen. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. I mean, I mean, this is, I mean, it's kind of a morbid uh, thing that, but I read like a few weeks ago before we came here that uh, on March uh, 3rd, uh, 1978, his body was actually stolen uh, from the cemetery and it took them uh, until May 18th when the police found it. Oh, geez. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah, it's crazy when I found out about that because I wanted to do some research before we got here, and that was like one of the facts. I felt I was like, "Wow, that's it's pretty crazy." Somebody was just out there doing a weekend at Bernie's with Chaplin. <laughs> <laughs> weekend at Chaplin. Well, see, the, the better part of that is like they had to try to make Bernie like try and move around and, and talk, but. Chaplin was a silent film actor. It worked. It would have worked even better. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely would have. You know, and even like I feel like a lot of the things from his childhood, like even influenced what he did. Like, you know, he was a uh, as a kid, he was confined to a bed for weeks due to serious illness. So, at night, his mother would sit at the window and act out what was going on outside, and that was kind of a major reason why he became a comedian. Wow, I I, I don't know if I knew that part of it. Yeah, and, you know, looking at his influence, too, and just how big he was, I mean, in, you know, July 6, 1925, he was the first actor to appear on the cover of Time, Ma- uh, Time Magazine. I feel like I need to try and find a copy of that, or at least a reprint of it. Like, that would be amazing to be able to own. Yeah, I mean, in that regard, as I kind of bring that up, I mean, you guys know how much I like, you know, memorabilia. What, 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 what's your favorite piece of memorabilia, uh, Chaplin memorabilia, that you have, Jesse? That I have, or or that you have, or even would like to own. Well, I think aside from this house, <laughs> I, I I think just the DVD collection that I have is probably the most valuable to me. I have a poster in my room. I do have a, a picture, the kid picture that I did by last time that we came. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, that is also very valuable to me. But well, I don't know. The autobiography is also up there. Uh, but definitely his films. One of the things that he, that he said that he, that I also enjoy, he says, if, if you want to get to know me, watch my films. Because even though it seems obvious and he's very simple, it shows that even through that simplicity, if you really pay attention, you, can, you really do see that he is himself on film. Very much so, very much. And I think that that's why he was so successful as well, but... Even him, even with, uh, even with him in, I don't know. People have accused me of being a nonconformist, and I, I, I understand the sentiment. <laughs> I get that too. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's kind of one of those realizations where it makes kind of put two and two together. Why I, I probably, why I do love him so much. I love the fact that, he, you know, when it, he started, he started out with the actual trash. Uh, his character of the tramp he said I wanted everything to be a contradiction the pants baggy the coat tight the hat small and the shoes large I had a small mustache which I reason would add age without hiding my expression 
I had no idea of the character, but the moment I was dressed, the clothes and the makeup made me feel the person he was. I began to know him, and by the time I walked on stage, he was fully born. So I kind of like the fact that it really wasn't that well thought out, to be quite honest with you. It was kind of on the spot, but it came from him, from himself and deep down, and, and it, it felt comfortable to him, and he went with it. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, so, so much of, of, you know, good improv is that way, too, where um, I, I, I'm going to butcher the quote, but uh, Del Close said something along the lines of, you know, how, how improv, you know, is, is like being on a plane that you're building while, while you're flying. So I know I butchered that quote. It's something along those lines. So and, and it's, some, it's part of what's always drawn me to improv is that very that very nature of, yeah, you've got these few things, but what are you going to do with it? Let's see how it works. So and uh, and, and that's on that same note, I mean, don't think twice. Mike Birbiglia's film that's out right now, he actually closes the film with that Del Close quote, and I mean, it you you can see a lot of that Chaplin influence, you know, even even in those ways of, of improv. Well, and that's the thing too is that I love is like we're talking about, you know, some like being here is like great to see that he still has something, you know, of his standing, like. Uh, I found out uh, a while ago that his handprints, footprints, and signature were immortalized in cement at the Chinese theater in Hollywood, but after this fall from grace with the Americas because of his political views, the section of the cement was actually removed from public view, and it can't be located, so they actually feared loss. Oh, that is heartbreaking. That is absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, it is, and it's one of those, like, why we were at the Chinese theater last time, I was like would have loved to find and I kind of like after we left I'm like I'm kind of surprised he's not here so when I did the research for that I'm like okay that kind of makes sense unfortunately but still like I mean that's that's why it's just great to see this like his house still standing like after all that you know we still have his house and we and we do have a signature and footprints over at the other door here so I mean th- those are there but yeah that's that's kind of sad that you know such an iconic part of history is is lost yeah and one thing though i i love is that you know because with me you know having a you know a movie recommendation podcasts i always want to know like what films actors enjoy and one of the last uh, films he saw and very much enjoyed was the 1976 classic rocky oh really yeah so it's cool to know That's like cool. some of the films that he liked even if that was one of his last ones that's one of the reasons why, you know, I kind of started the podcast is I love knowing what films people like, especially like celebrities. You never know what films they enjoy. They love acting. They love being in films. But what do they love to relax to? I would like to think uh, Chaplin left that theater just like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could totally see him doing that as he waddled away. <laughs> so well, I, as we wrap things up here. Um, I, I know, Chris. You always like to know what what everybody's favorite movie is. So I'll, I'll start. I'll start off with mine. My favorite Chaplin. Um, I, I, I'm I'm going to break the rules and I'm going to pick two. So because the kid is, I mean, just a perfect classic. But uh, also the Great Dictator. I've always loved because of just how much how much he pushed the envelope. So uh, what, what what about you, Jesse? The kid for sure with me. Uh, for, I mean, for multiple reasons, just because I feel like this, it's the most poignant, but I feel like the kid is, in a small way, an interpretation of, of him. 
uh, when he was a when he was a child, and I, it's almost like the father that he didn't have. Oh, very much so. And and so the connection that he has with Coogan, you know, the boy is just profound in that, and the fact that they're both both partners in crime, literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I, it makes you laugh, and he even says it, you know, in the, very, in the very beginning, and perhaps a tear, a smile and perhaps a tear, if I remember correctly. And, and it's exactly that. It's, it's such a great life story. All right, Chris, and what about you? I really like the kid, too, but I also like some of his shorts. Like, uh, for example, uh, oh, I had it just, uh, there was one I saw, I think I just saw a clip of it in, junior high i was trying to find it is the the city lights one i remember oh yeah 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 so i really like the kid and i really like what i saw city lights too but great dictators always you know always going to be a staple in history absolutely so as 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 we kind of wrap this up and we we get we get on through our day here uh, where we've got other other interviews and some other comedy to enjoy um so the 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 one thing that uh that I, I want to close with um, is is the um, the quote that I think can relate to all of us. So the chaplain had said, and it's it's something that that means the world to me, and it's something that that always keeps me going with with everything that I do. So and and it was the quote where where chaplain said, "Failure is important, and it takes courage to make a fool of yourself." So, and with that, I, I just I, I challenge everybody that's listening. Uh, if you've never really sat down and watched a Chaplin film, get out there and fucking watch one of a, one of his films. They're some of the greatest of all time. What the fuck is wrong with you? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like that we wrap that up with a somber, a somber quote, and then uh, and then get very hostile. <laughs> but 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 in all seriousness, don't be afraid to fail because it's where you're going to learn learn the most about yourself and and become the legend that Charlie Chaplin became.